Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage.
I don't always say it that way, but when you think about it, it is. Liberty, justice, freedom, those all seem like solution-minded words. And they're all items that belong to us humans as simply for being who we are. Bestowed upon us by our Creator as the Founding Fathers had recognized way back when. Nothing's changed. We still get born into this world. We still take our first breath. We take our last breath and we die. Somewhere along the way we make an impact. Whether we make an impact that is helpful or harmful is entirely up to us. So we have the choice. Free will, if you will. Problem, solution, it's on us. My name is Joe Grumbine. I'm the CEO of a little organization that we also happen to call the Human Solution. We're a 501c3 federally recognized civil rights organization, and we believe very strongly that no one should go to jail for a plant. Not ever. Not one plant, not ten plants, not a hundred plants, not a thousand plants, not ten thousand plants. Not cannabis plants, not coca plants, not poppies, not uh, peyote buttons, not mescal cactuses, not any plant. There is not any reason that a plant that grows on this planet on its own without anybody's help or with somebody's help should be a criminal act. Now there's lots of things that could be connected to many different plants that could be considered criminal act. For example, if you were to grow a crop of deadly nightshade plants and harvest from it its active ingredient, create a potent poison and kill off one of the people in your lives, well, that would be considered a crime. That had nothing to do with the plant directly. had to do with you, almost like pulling a trigger on a gun. I'm not going to get into that because I know I'll upset a lot of you all, but the truth is we do things. Plants don't kill anybody. Plants don't help anybody. Plants don't hurt anybody. We are the ones who do these things. We take the plant. We grow the plant. We care for the plant, we extract the plant, we make medicine out of the plant, we burn the plant, we vape the plant, we do all kinds of things with this plant. The plant itself is a plant. It's a wonderful plant. It does a lot of great things. Hopefully we're going to get more and more time to talk about these great things because less and less people will be getting locked up for it. But until then, we have work to do. We have an amazing guest today. I didn't know much about this guy until fairly recently, but... Um, and hopefully I'm saying his name right, but a guy named Pierce Baker um, just got out of prison after serving 10 years for a plant. Um, turns out he's got a bit of a colorful twist to his story, which I'm eager to hear. Um, but nonetheless, the plant was involved once again. And we live in a world where it's, it's, it's a dichotomy and a conundrum all wrapped up into one. The dichotomy is, is two sides of, of, of an existence. We have, on one hand, people uh, growing, participating in commerce, making products, selling items, um, providing services as though this plant is totally okay and legal. And then you have, on the other hand, law enforcement, federal government, state governments in many cases, who are still arresting seizing property, charging criminally, imprisoning, and the like. These two things are happening at the same time. 
it seems that most people, at least most people I come in contact anyhow, are unaware at best. I'd like to just think they're unaware. I think a lot of times people put their head in the sand. They see what they want to see. They see an opportunity and they want to, to go after it. Uh, in the Wild West, there was all kinds of opportunities. There was also all kinds of outlaws. People did all kinds of terrible things in the Wild West. Yeah? Some got rich. Some got hurt. Um, in a lot of ways, that's what's happening out here. And the law doesn't help it, in my opinion. If we were to treat the cannabis plant like any other plant, if we were to treat it like a crop, like a supplement, like an herb, like um, even a medicine of some sort, I don't know how you could because they don't treat any other plant as a medicine. There's not another single plant on the planet that gets treated as a medicine. Not one. Why? Why is that? Well, because it's complicated, because phytochemistry is complicated chemistry. And you can't narrow it down to a single molecule because not one single plant on the planet produces one single molecule. They all produce very complicated compounds, and they can't be limited, and they can't be uh, narrowed down to a single molecule, as medicine likes to do. So <coughs> we're going to talk about that. We have lots and lots and lots of people these days. Um, personally, I've been involved with this plant for 30, 35 years or so. Um, mostly on the dark side of things because for most of 35 years we didn't have any laws that regulated, taxed, or allowed in any way for this to happen. In the last 20 years, California's had a makeshift law that's allowed for some things. It wasn't until California passed this law that I found myself in legal problems. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about Pierce's uh, case a whole lot more. But what I found is that today, in 2018, when... Controlled Substances Act is still the supreme law of the land. The federal government, uh, the attorney general of the federal government, the highest law enforcement official in the land, has declared us a nuisance and a public enemy and has declared his war against us and that we're going to um, suffer. There are people right and left that are reaching out to do business. I get calls multiple times a day from somebody wanting to do business. Business opportunity, somebody wanting to buy something or sell something or make something or have me make something or or we can do this or that or a license. Oh, my God, the licensing. Everybody wants a piece of the license. And I've got people, I mean, my phone doesn't stop ringing now that we've got this so-called legalization. Well, the truth is, at the same time, that all this is happening. We got a guy up in Trinity County by the name of Dana Beal who's facing felony <clears throat> charges. For what? For possession of cannabis. The thing that nobody thought could happen. The thing that nobody thought could um, be a crime in California because, well, that's what our law said. Well, go tell Dana Beal that and his, and his co-defendant. Um, we have people that are going through cases right now Today, as we speak, we have people that are in process. We have people that are in prison, in jail, waiting for cases to happen um, all over so-called legal states, medical states, recreational states. We've got cases going on in Colorado right now, the holy grail of cannabis. So, yeah, we do. We have people who make medicine for others being charged with criminal acts. 
That's what we have today. At the same time, some cases get let go. And uh, some of the people that get let go have, uh, you know, smiled and, and uh, I don't know, waved at us as we, as we parted ways after some many, many people have helped um, in very uh, extensive and painful ways. Um, and I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but it's, there's, that's, that's the conundrum of it all. It's confusing. There's things that make no sense in this, and I, I deal with multiple levels of this paradigm of this universe uh, that includes cannabis in it. Like it or not, uh, the universe includes cannabis. It's part of the earth. It's part of the world. It's part of our reality. If you want to participate with this show right now, today, there's a lot of ways to do it. I'm about to share Lisa Wooldridge's live feed on my public page. So if you go to Joe Grumbine on Facebook, whatever that is, um, you'll see it. It's also being shared around. I would heartily encourage anybody who sees this live feed, if you don't have time to watch it, share it so that others can. Uh, we're having a pretty decent um, feed on this thing, and it's reaching more and more people. And uh, I'll make sure I don't get feedback here. So anyways, that all being said, um, you can watch this thing on Facebook, as a lot of people choose to do. But you can also call in, and this is what I would prefer you do. If you call in, all you got to do is pick up your phone and dial 646-929-2495. And if you do that, then you have the opportunity to be a part of the show. You can talk to our amazing screener, Noncompliant Mary, and... If you've been around the show for a little while, you'll know why we call her that, and it's for good reason. If you are listening to the show and something interesting strikes your brain and you say, wow, I have something I'd like to say about that, it's really simple. You just hang your phone up and call back and say, hey, i got something to say. So today, right now, as we're standing here on the show, i got uh, Piers Baker up first. We got Mike Harris who just joined us. Um, he's got a proactive case going on right now in uh, Fontana, California, and he's got the backing of some major uh, powerhouse legal team, and he's being very noncompliant himself, and he is putting our laws and our ordinances to the test, and he's um, got a lawsuit filed, and we're hopefully going to challenge the nature of many cities' ordinances through this lawsuit. So he's going to give us a, an update. we got Glenn Keeling from Ohio, and he's going to give us um, an update. And we got Adam from California. He's got something to say. And we got a bunch of folks on the line listening, and hopefully you will change your mind and have something to say to join us. So uh, let us get forward. First of all, we're going to have Piers Baker. Now, what I have about Piers Baker is about 10 years ago, uh, he was growing some cannabis, and um, turns out some forest rangers came upon him, and um, turned out things got a little out of hand, and I'll just let Piers tell the story, and uh, without further ado, Piers, welcome to the story. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. I'm doing very well. Well, I, I didn't want to divulge 
too much of the story. I hear you great. And um, first of all, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story. I understand you're recently a free man. Yes, I'm, well, I'm in a halfway house, so I'm, I'm kind of like halfway free. Uh, but um, it's, certainly lot, yeah, it's certainly a lot better than being um, uh, at the camp or, or the FCI, so I'm pleased about that. I, I, can't, I couldn't blame you at all. Now, it's interesting, um, you know, we have a, um, a whole prison outreach uh, program, and we have a lot of members of our organization that are actively involved I don't remember seeing your name in our list, and I'm wondering, hopefully, uh, some of the Human Solution members had reached out to you. Is that the case? Yes, that is the case. Um, uh, Becca has been uh, reaching out to me uh, and also some other folks um, from Freedom Grow, uh, which is uh, one, of your, uh, one of your contemporaries there. Um, and so I have been uh, um, uh, working with them, um, okay. uh, and I can want to continue now that I'm out as well. So. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I like to hear that. It doesn't often happen that way, but I'm glad it's happening that way now. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? What happened? Okay. Well, um, uh, I was uh, close to National Forest Land on the east side of the Cascades here in Oregon, Um and uh, I wasn't sure if I was on federal ground or not when I started to grow the plants. Um, but um, I was harvesting there in September, uh, and I had hung a lot of my, uh, my buds under the trees to dry, uh, to get them uh, tacky dry so I could trim them. Um, and so I was up there then at the end of September. I think it was the 29th of September in '09, uh, And... Um, I had all 20 or 30 boxes of, of uh, partially trimmed buds uh, in, in the bushes there, and I was going to drive my little Toyota pickup and pick my boxes up uh, and um, go home. But as I approached my truck, uh, three gentlemen came out of the woods, um, all dressed in camo, um, and they tried to detain me. Uh, and uh, I told them why I didn't care about them at all uh, and that uh, I was just going to go, you know, get my truck and, and leave. Uh, and I did get in my truck, and I drove very slowly, uh, about one mile an hour, uh, trying to, um, well, get away from them. Um, and uh, they were banging on the side of my truck saying, stop, stop, you're under arrest, you're under arrest. Uh, and as I made this little turn onto the main road there where, from where I was parked, they pulled their guns out of their holsters and, and opened fire on me at point-blank range right through oh, my vehicle, right through wow. my vehicle. It sounded like bullets were going like angry bees all over inside my, inside my vehicle there, and then wham, wham, right in my leg. I got two bullets that went into my leg, and I was gushing blood all over the place. Uh, so I promptly pulled over uh, and fell out of my truck uh, there. Uh, and I and I said to the co the officers, I said, "Look, I wasn't trying to hit you. I was just trying to to, to get away." And they said, "They said, Joe. They said, oh, we know that." Wow. Yeah, wow. so they, you see, the, the thing is, is that what they wanted to do, they wanted to see what their guns would do. They wanted to see, they wanted to see you know, if uh, they could blow me away or something. Well, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing about cops. I've, I've unfortunately had a, 
way too much experience with them in it as well, and I'm, I'm fortunate to have not been shot by them as, as they have arrested me numerous times. Um, but I, I have seen uh, just what you're talking about. I've seen them be exuberant, and I've seen them have, you know, I've stared down the barrel of one of their weapons um, and looked at the round that would have ended my life had I sneezed or maybe done the wrong thing. So, um, you know, you've taken it from certainly a different point of view, but <coughs> I, uh, you know, uh, cops have this funny thing with guns. They do love to play with them. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And that's the thing is that, um, you know, I, I, I guess I made them exceedingly cross uh, when I jumped in my truck and, and didn't um, didn't just bow down to their wonderfulness. Uh, and that's what they expected, you see. Uh, and as I drove off, they were exceedingly angry about that, and so they shot me. Well, you know, I uh, as much as, as that must have been a horrific experience. It sure makes for a hell of a story now, 10 years later, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. I mean, it, it, you know, I look back on it and I wonder, man, did that really happen to me? You know, <laughs> after all of this time, you know, I mean, I can look at it and, and you know, in retrospect and see that what a peculiar thing to happen, uh, you know, uh, but the thing is, I could have been killed, you know, and, and by God's grace, I'm still walking the earth and enjoying life and, and that kind of thing. And, and now I do have a life for myself now that I'm, that I'm free, finally, you know. So I'm, I'm very pleased about that, needless to say. Well, tell, tell me about the experience beyond that. Now, once they took you into custody, I'm assuming they took yeah. you into a hospital and patched up your wounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, exactly. That's what happened. They took me down there to the closest town there and, and uh, sewed me up. Uh, yeah, but they didn't take the bullets out. They left the bullets in my leg. So still oh, to this good. day, I have. Yeah, so still to this day, I have bullets that set off the metal detectors when I when I go through metal detectors. Oh, but uh, well, yeah, yeah, and then they took me. Then they arrested me. Then they arrested me and took me down to the, the county jail there, uh, where I languished there in jail um, with two bullet, bullets, uh, you know, in my leg and and uh, you know ble- bleeding and that kind of thing. Um, and uh, and uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I, the thing was is that uh, it wouldn't have been such a big deal if I just would have given myself up. If I just would have said, okay, I'm under arrest, uh, it would have been one thing. But the fact that um, they shot me, you see. Then they had to say that I was trying to hit them with my truck because that would give them a reason for shooting an unarmed pot grower, you see. Right, right. Yeah, they love, you know, when they get their little uh, special circumstances, they love it. Hey, listen, Pierce, I got um, Craig Cecil calling in from federal prison right now. He's currently serving a life sentence, so we're going to pull him up right now and give him his 15 minutes, if you don't mind. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, very good, Joe. Thank you. Now, should I just go ahead? I'm going to go have some dinner now, and, and should I, um, uh, I will talk later on your show at some time, okay? Yeah, if you can call back in, that would be great. Okay, okay. Okay, well, 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 thank you. Thank you then, Joe. Take care. Thank you very much. I can't wait to talk to you more. I want to hear more about all this. Very good, Joe. Take care. We'll see ya. All right. Hello, Craig. How's it going today? Hello, Joe. It's a little chilly in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana at the moment. But uh, if I look out the window and 
Instead of seeing palm trees, I see uh, heart towers. Yeah. Now, do you do you guys have the daylight savings time over there? Yes, we did. So we we've moved up an hour. Okay, good. So have we. So hopefully that 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 didn't uh, it didn't interfere with our ability to talk. I know last week. Uh, we we went right up to the very end of your uh, you know your phone time, so we're still in we're still in a good place. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because Indiana, where I'm at, years ago they didn't uh, change for daylight savings time, so that would have kind of knocked me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eight thirty here now, and uh, they lock us all in the cells. Uh, you know, come just after nine o'clock. Wow. Well, I just had a guest on. Um, guy by the name of of um, of uh, Piers uh, Baker, and he just got out of federal prison, serving 10 years, um, and he was up in Oregon, and he was growing some cannabis. He just started telling the story. He's in a halfway house right now, so he had to go. Um, you know, there's a conflict a lot of times when uh, an inmate and a and a guy in halfway house, you know, they don't they don't like it. Uh, when the two are connected. So, um, anyways, he had to go. But, um, anyways, he was just telling us a story how uh, he was growing some cannabis in the mountains, and it was, in his opinion, near the near the uh, national forest. But apparently, um, he might have been mistaken about his boundaries. I don't know about that. But he he had just gotten everything all dried up, and it was all in boxes. He was going to collect his boxes, and some uh, some agents got came out of the bushes and uh, told him he was under arrest. Well, he he didn't agree with them very much, so he got into his truck and started driving away. And he said he was driving away very slowly, slowly enough so that the uh, officers could keep up with him. And when he wouldn't stop, they opened fire through his vehicle. And uh, he was describing the experience of having. Um, you know, bullets whizzing through his vehicle, and uh, they they hit him in the leg a couple of times, and apparently uh, their rounds are still lodged in his leg ten years later. They didn't bother to remove them. Well, my my arrest was a lot less eventful. <laughs> <laughs> they they called on the phone, and I self surrendered. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when when you're out there in the bushes and you. You have a lot of time to think about things. Sometimes your uh, your 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 reaction and and the way that you think about things is a little different. And uh, you know, I I I've often not often, but more than once, I've I've enacted a scenario. I was a bush grower for many years, allegedly, and I always thought to myself, what would happen if I got sprung on? What would I do? And uh, you know, I had a number of different scenarios play out in my head, but Raising my hands wasn't, wasn't really among them, so you know, I don't know. Luckily, that never happened, and um, I, I, I'm an alleged ex bush bush grower rather than a current bush grower. Right. And hopefully, like I say, hopefully more and more people are just becoming less upset about it. But unfortunately. You know, there is areas now that they're worried about uh, marijuana growers competing with businesses. So there's really a, a whole different, uh, you know, a whole different aspect to it. <laughs> well, 
You know, it's an interesting uh it's an interesting play out how this is all coming down and <clears throat> one of the things that happens and we've talked about it before is when you have um um you know, so called legalization and they have allowances for, for licensing of one sort or another and then you have like in California where we had for twenty years a provision that allowed people to operate um, a business of sorts, and then all of a sudden we pass this recreational law, and it now requires anybody to do business to get a very expensive application or a very expensive license, and it requires very specific uh, locations and enormous fees and 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 exhaustive um, things that you have to do to comply. And most people, frankly, would not qualify. And as much as, you know, people think, oh, yeah, people in pop businesses, they're all, they're all rich as hell, truth is there's a lot of people that have little pop businesses of some sort or another that make a living but not much more, and they no, no way they could ever um, even think about, uh, you know, affording a license or, or, or being compliant on that level. So, what we find now is that the licensed facilities are now uh, ratting out the non-licensed facilities. And, you know, the competition of that is really, you know, kind of crazy. And unfortunately, you have the citizens that were never involved in this, and they'll say things like, well, you know, you've got to play the game right. And they don't realize what's happened is, is the people that have been playing the game right all along have just blatantly been pushed out of this by the very few and, and very wealthy that, you know, may likely have never had anything to do with it. They just walked in with the right money and the right lawyers and the right real estate agents, and they set up camp. I've heard that situation from, you know, other people like Nick and that I communicate with that, you know, here these people have been, you know, in – dispensary operations for 10 and 12 years and now that you know they're free with the recreational laws they're essentially put out of business because they, they they just can't be you know the scale of a business that you know is required to support the licenses and all that exactly i think alcohol alcohol is after the prohibition uh, was lifted you know a lot of the bigger alcohol companies bought up the small you know, craft brewers, right. and you know, form the big, form the big beer and you know, spirits companies that we have. But if you look in the last few years, they've kind of broken the other way. Where now it's the little craft brewers that you know, they really only make enough beer to support their own, you know, bar and you know, restaurant. Those are the ones that seem to be, you know, really flourishing now. So. Well, you know what? What's interesting about that, and it's funny because when they sell the law, they always talk about regulate it like wine. But if you look at what it takes to get a liquor license and you look at what it takes to get a cannabis license, turns out it's nothing like that whatsoever. And uh, the the restrictions and the um, regulations and the taxes on cannabis are many-fold worse than that of alcohol, or tobacco for that matter. Even though tobacco is heavily taxed, the regulations involved um, with, 
Well, I don't know. Tobacco, it, it may be as bad as tobacco because there's very limited uh, participants in the tobacco market. There's not there's not craft tobacco farms. There's only a handful of companies that are that are in there. It, it may be very similar to that, but the demand for cannabis is going to be many times more than the demand for tobacco, especially today. Well, I think those regulations are just for just just like they deal with tobacco, so that you know the different farmers and all they can't grow their own or just grow a you know a half an acre for them and a few neighbors. I mean. They, they right. made it so, you know, with, with all their licensing capabilities, it's not to keep people from getting poisoned by cigarettes. No. It's to support the big, you know, people that, that grow and uh, sell tobacco. Exactly, exactly. And then if you even look at the regulations about the, um, you know, about the pesticides and all of that, it it's, it's insane. They They make it to where... Um, even people that are cultivating organically, um, you know, in, in my end of the world, I, I come upon a lot of um, material that's being tested, and I see very little, if any of it, ever really passes. Um, and it's because they set their standards in a way that doesn't make sense. It's, it's beyond the scope of what is allowed for alcohol or tobacco or any other ingestible um uh, substance on the planet and you know what they're doing is again they're limiting the scope of who can do what and um, what they're going to do is they're, they're they're breeding a an environment where corruption will reign you know the second you have that kind of regulation guess who gets around it the guys who have the money you know it's the same as it is in anything so there are you know Many, many stories of crooked, crooked labs and people getting paid off to do what and whatnot, and it's just um, unfortunately, I think that in you know the best laid plans of mice and men, we we sell our constituents uh, a bill of Uber regulation because you know that's what the people they think the people want, and you know for the safety, it's all about the safety, right? But in the end, it never ends up what it was set out to be. And you know, if you if you peel the onion back, I I know that you find the same problems in any overregulated area, whether it's uh, construction and and payoffs and you know, historically the the you know the mob uh, uh, you know buying off contractors and 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 contracts and and unions and all this crap. It's all the same kind of stuff, and it's it's just beginning to unfold. So, what what kind of new news has popped up in Terre Haute this year, or this week? Sorry. Well, the prison has been fairly fairly quiet. There's been a little, a few tense little moments between uh, small groups, but overall, it's been pretty smooth. The only political venture <laughs> uh, I found myself into is. Uh, one of the recreation officers put me in for to be the uh, softball commissioner. Yeah, you know what's in the scorekeeper and statistician and that. Yeah, how how so is that coming? Unfortunately, another staff member put in another guy who's a gang member. Oh, great. <laughs> so we're we're still trying to work all of that out. <laughs> oh, what what could go wrong, huh? Yeah, I mean, who would think? You know. It's, <laughs> 
and all the different loyalties and all that. So, you know, I'm just kind of sitting back and letting other people, you know, fight the battles. <laughs> now, how influential is this whole thing? I mean, softball is is a, is a sport that would give people a way out of the, you know, the regular humdrum of, of you know, incarcerated life. So is there is it something that's really kind of a a prestigious thing to be part of that? Yes, it is because uh, I mean a lot of people play ball and a lot of people sit in the bleachers and watch the games. I mean it's we don't have a whole lot of entertainment here, so it's you right, know that's that's our, uh, spectator sport as well as you know a sport that a lot of people can engage in. Sure. And. Uh, since I've been here, I've been the scorekeeper and the statistician and the, you know, the, the go-to guy as far as what the rules are. So, it, it's been, you know, it's been a fun experience for me, and it's, it's given me a lot of exposure with a lot of people, which, you know, not only makes it more fun to, to know a lot of people, but it, it keeps me safer, you know, that there's, you know, that, you know, you wouldn't want to mess with that guy. He's got a lot of fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, but uh, the other news is, uh, I understand, I believe it's Virginia, but I'm not real sure. But I think they're in the final stages of uh, passing a law there where prisoners can vote. But apparently the way they're um, conducting their voting law is that the prisoners will be able to vote absentee in their home district. Now, there's a few other states where the prisoners actually have a polling place in the prison to vote. Well. Uh, they're not, you know, looking at tailoring a system in that way. And I kind of, I kind of insist that, you know, I understand we we give up a lot of rights as prisoners. Maybe the right to be free, the right to not be searched. But do we really give up our right of citizenship to vote? And I I think we should still have a say in, you know, what our laws are, what our lawmakers are, even as prisoners. I I don't know how other people, you know, outside of the well, I, I would certainly agree with it. And hell, the the people on this side typically don't uh, exercise their rights, so why not give it to those who will, if anything? And what thing is, as prisoners, you know, with the time we have, we we keep up on the news just because you know we have more time to watch the news or to read the newspapers or things of that nature. Oh, I re- I rely upon your news to keep me up to date. I can assure you. Ah oh, man, usually we get more of a more of a warning. Um, wow. All right. Well, once again, folks, that's Craig Cecil. Craig Cecil is currently serving a life sentence for pot, and he didn't run anybody over. And 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 Piers, I know you're back on, so I'm just messing with you, really. I I I'm hoping that um, that you're out. You have a pretty good sense of humor about things. Um, but Craig Cecil was a mechanic. His his lot in life was to fix vehicles that were being used for smuggling. Not only those vehicles, but he fixed some vehicles that were being used for smuggling and put them back together. And um, you know he wasn't a rat, and so he ended up taking the heat. Um, all of the other people that were involved in this case, it, and it was a big smuggling case, but Craig wasn't smuggling a damn thing. And all the other people are already out where Craig is serving a life sentence over this. And 
Welcome to the conspiracy laws, folks. Uh, we're going to get back to Pierce here, but I want to uh, jump over to Mike Harris real quick um, and uh, want to get an update. Mike has been uh, involved in this lawsuit, which is, in my opinion, one of the things that you know we really need to uh, put an energy into is being proactive. Most of the time when we go to court, now Mike has been an avid uh, court supporter. He's a member of the Human Solution Board, and um, he's, he's a big part of our media team. So when we get um, stories that we're trying to bring attention to, Mike's very instrumental in getting these, these stories out there. But most of the stories we cover are defensive stories. They're stories where uh, somebody has been uh, charged with a crime, fighting their way through it. Um, many times they're uh, imprisoned at the time that they're fighting it, going through expensive court battles, um, custody, um, uh, asset forfeiture, all of the horrors of, of this. And very seldom is it a case where we're being proactive and going after them. We have a few cases where that is the case. We've got uh, Adam Asenberg up in uh, Washington, which I spoke with not too long ago, and um, we should be hearing an update on his case pretty soon, a federal case. But we got Mike Harris, who's got a case coming up, or that um, has been filed, and we're going to get an update here. So, uh, Mike, welcome to the show. How's it been going up there? Oh, about the same as it, it is down there, Joe. Other than, uh, yeah, it's a well, uh, today was my uh, second uh, appearance in uh, court to listen to Judge Cohen in the uh, San Bernardino Superior courtroom uh, talk about the, the, the case, and he decided that, you know, uh, my lawyer had put up motions to um, for uh, a parameters of discovery. He wanted to de- depose, you know, the people that were involved in crafting this ordinance and then had worked on it. Uh, the city didn't want that, and that's basically, in a nutshell, of what the uh, ruling was about today, the hearing. <coughs> the judge didn't feel that the writ was uh, a proper type of writ for what I guess we were asking, and said the parameters were actually for uh, to get a writ of relief, and that um, his ruling could only go to the scope of what it was supposed to be, you know, this is all basically legalese that I don't quite, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't really get the the, the full measure of it. But basically that uh, discovery was denied for our side, so we can only talk uh, about the ordinance itself as it's written. We can't, like, say, ask um, people that have worked on it, well, where did you come up with this information that says that growing a house plant creates mold and electricity issues? You know, that, so they get to tell their side, and we only get to say, oh, well, that's, the, um, that's an incomplete history. That's, but we don't get to present evidence on our own. We can't present an uh, expert witness. Um, so basically the next hearing would probably be it. Uh, as far as whatever they rule on this uh, writ that uh, was filed on behalf of uh, myself and the ACLU and uh, the Drug Policy Alliance, and represented by what did, uh, the, uh, what did your attorney say after this thing was done? 
So we talked for a little bit and um, kind of like uh, about what was going to might happen uh, next. It still feels that we have a very solid case and that you know all of our um, things that we're bringing are valid. And I guess you know we're we're going to be presenting that in um, court uh, September 14th, and that'll be the uh, the date of the hearing. And now, it's, uh, um, you know, involves yeah the uh, whether you know what's reasonable. It all comes down to what is uh, reasonable. And now, does it violate? Are, do are are you able to call? I mean, are, is it like a civil trial, or is it is it where they can call? Witnesses and such, or is it uh, really just like a bench trial where the judge is just going to rule on what was presented? Well, you know, I'm not really sure because it's, um, yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, I, I know we can only deal with, I guess, the council members that were um, involved in it, so I don't know if that they'll get a subpoena or not, and the. Uh, Perhaps I don't know if the city attorney or the staff that talked about it. That'll be the only thing of record that we can talk about. Now, whether or not it's uh, we just play the uh, or talk about the recorded meetings or just what's the um, ordinance itself on paper, I'm not sure yet. Well, you remember with uh, Lanny Swerdlow and Paul Chabot's case, which was a civil case, it was actually a civil trial. And oh, I was there, there every was, day, yeah. And that's what I'm talking about is that was very much like a criminal trial in the sense of witnesses were called and cross-examinations occurred and, and all of that. That was kind of my question is, you know, this case is, um, you know, you against the city, but the city is being um, represented, so you would think that uh, I'm assuming it's it's a it, it would be a similar sort of thing, but... I don't know. I, I have spent so little time in in civil court uh, as opposed to criminal court. Well, a writ is a civil proceeding to uh, grant uh, relief in some fashion, and I'm uh, finding out that there's more than uh, there's multiple types of writs or multiple types of issues, and it's just to get uh, uh, a legal ruling from uh, the court on whether or not. Um, they feel that there is uh, a legitimate reason to have relief, you know. And my my writ is uh, an ordinance against an ordinance that was passed that, that I'm asking the courts to intervene on. Got it. Well, we will live and learn. That's the one thing about doing things is that you learn from them. Um, if you don't know about them as you're going into it, and uh, it's just exciting to watch, you know, to be in a court case where the outcome can only be beneficial. Um, you know, there isn't a uh, uh, a penalty uh, that's at stake. You know, it's 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 a pretty powerful place to be in. So, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited to hear about it. Now, this upcoming hearing in September is that one that um, uh, people could come and attend. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's not a very uh, big courtroom. There's uh, two rows of seats on each uh, side of the aisle. I don't know if it seats more than 30 people, but yeah, they're welcome to come if uh, they have a mind to on September 14th at 8:30 a.m. Bright and well, shiny, I... wear your Sunday best, and re- remember, you know, it's uh, 
a, a court proceeding is not a public forum. You could go there and basically you sit and remain silent. You absolutely do not talk when court is in session. So that's that's the best. You know, as a court supporter, you know, you want to take notes. That's great. You want to read a newspaper? Go outside and do it. And please turn your phones off. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, Mike, it's always great to hear about uh, what's happening, and uh, you know, hopefully, we're going to make some uh, make some ground on this. You know. Um, Fontana is one of so many cities that have just draconian ordinances. The, the voters of California passed a law that was uh, supposed to uh, give more freedom than less, and yet the many, many cities have, have created such restrictive ordinances that they've actually taken the freedom away from what we had to begin with. It's such a curious thing because I've all my life I've really been into gardening. I mean, I've got all kinds of succulent plants all through the backyard. I mean, look at me. I'm telling you, and I've been to your your backyard, and it's a freaking you know, it, it, it ought to have its own uh, jungle destination. Welcome but, to the jungle. Yeah, you know, I've got I've got uh, planter gardens in the front. I've got uh, all kinds of potted plants. I've done all my Every single thing that's ever been planted in my yard, I planted, you know, over the last 30 years. And I just love being out there and doing it. But, you know, and I could have a, a house plant. And, you know, if I want to take special care of it, if I control the lighting on it, there should there would never be an issue unless it's a cannabis plant. Exactly. So, you know, I'll leave you with that. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Or I couldn't disagree more, as the case may be. Well, Mike, I appreciate you coming on, giving us the update, and uh, I look forward to, to being there in September. So please, uh, if you can, um, you know, maybe put it up on the calendar or at very least remind me as we get closer. All right. Yeah, it's a few months out. Uh, like, uh, I think that will be the same month I file for Social Security. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Yeah, All right, Mike. I'll get there one way or another. All right, talk to you later, Joe. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. Absolutely. Once again, folks, Mike Harris, board member of the Human Solution and uh, championing the cause with a proactive civil lawsuit with the backing of the ACLU and uh, I believe it's DPA that's that's also involved. Um, all right, we got Pierce back, and uh, we're going to go ahead and return to our story. I'm glad you were able to make it back online today. I didn't want to have to wait till next week. Um, and it appears I know that sometimes um, there's conflicts with people in halfway houses and, and uh, you know, people in custody. So I, I didn't want to uh, have any sort of an issue there. But uh, you guys were never in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Well, um, the, the halfway house here um, – the folks here, uh, uh, the staff here, are, are really pretty reasonable, um, and um, you know I'm actually re- really kind of happy to be here um, because it's it's so different here than uh, being you know locked up. Um, I'm able to get out here and and uh, you know see my friends and that kind of thing and and uh, be marginally free, uh, even though I, they still have their have their their hook in me somewhat. But um, at any rate, uh, you know at least I'm getting out. I mean. I, I just can't believe, you know, what Becca was telling me, uh, that people uh, are actually doing life, you know, in prison here for 
for cannabis. I mean, this is this is just absolutely ludicrous. Uh, it's it's just a terrible situation. So uh, I I you know I did my share of time, most certainly, but at least I'm not doing life, right, Joe? Oh my God, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, and you know, I mean, it's just I couldn't even imagine doing ten years. I mean, I couldn't imagine doing a year. I spent a couple of months in lockup, and that was hell. And uh, you know, I I it, it what it did was it gave me an awareness, a taste of of the horrors of incarceration, and it and it allowed me to be a champion without having to be um, a victim of a long sentence. So. Um, I'm hoping that we gather more champions that don't have to um, have been there for for so long. Um, so when you left off on your story, you were telling us you were in uh, the county lockup and and uh, you know you're sort of bleeding off and on. Um, now, how did it go forward when the when you were actually charged federally? Um, did you end up uh, proffering and 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 pleading a deal, or did you take it to trial? Well, uh, what happened was is that uh, it started out being a um, a, uh, a a state charge. Um, what they charged me with uh, initially was um, attempted murder, uh, as, as well as um, uh, uh, manufacturing marijuana, because they had to maintain, you see, that um, I did indeed try to hit them with my truck, so that they would have a reason for shooting me. Um, so it started out being a state uh, a state crime there, um, and then uh, um, uh, on January 25th, uh, which just happens to be my birthday uh, of all things, um, I get um, I get taken from the county lockup there uh, down to Portland, Oregon, uh, to the federal building, and I am charged down there with a, a federal crime at that point. Um, Manufacturing marijuana and assault on a federal officer. Um, So at that point, then it went federal. Um, Now, did they have videotape of this, or or was it just three guys on one with their testimony? Well, right, exactly. You see, they corroborated their their story. because um, you know, uh, when uh, when officers shoot uh, someone like that, especially being unarmed, uh, there's a big inquisition about it, um, and uh, so they had to corroborate their stories uh, that um, I tried to hit them, which absolutely was not true. Um, I was only going one mile an hour, and uh, all of the gun bullet holes on my truck are from the side. So how can I try to hit them with my truck? Um, so at any rate. Um, you know they had to corroborate their story, uh, and uh, and and um, then they wanted to force me to um, to uh, uh, take a deal. Uh, they first charged me um, with they were going to try to give me 25 years to life, um, and then I languished uh, there at uh, at the FDC in Sheridan, the, the the federal detention center there for two years. Um, uh, we were under 23-hour lockdown there, uh, and I languished there for two years. Uh, and then finally, they came up with a deal for me uh, of 10 years flat, and that's the only deal that they would give me at all—10 years. And I mean, this wasn't the type of case where um, they were trying to coerce you into giving up somebody because there wasn't anybody else involved. 
um, well, needed to no, go out. There was, yeah. No, there wasn't anybody else involved. I mean, they they tried to act like, well, you know, who are you going to sell it to, and all this, and who, you know, and, and who are you, who are you, I'm um, associated with, and all this. And I didn't have anything to say about that, but that didn't help me at all. But it didn't hinder me either, you know. But no, it was, you know, it was something that I was doing on my own. Uh, and there was only 90 plants. I mean, it wasn't like I was trying to grow tons of, of marijuana. You know, I was only it only was 90 plants. So right. at any rate. Yeah, so at any rate, uh, the best I could do was, was 10 years. Um, and my lawyer, you know, she, she thought it was absurd. Uh, but um, she said, hey, you know, they're being really hard-nosed about this because um, they know that uh, they're culpable. Uh, you know, they're, they, uh, they were at fault in shooting you, and they know that. Uh, and they're not about to be accountable. And I tell you what, Joe, that's the way the feds are. They're not going to be oh, accountable. No. I mean... A number of federal trials. I've, I've witnessed a number of raids, and uh, I, I I can tell you the federal government. You know, people think nothing's ever going to happen to them, and I tell you, if the federal government gets their hooks into you, uh, they don't play fair, and you have everything to lose, and they don't give a damn. And that's just how it that's is. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Well said. <laughs> And that's the way it is, uh, you know, in, in the good old USA. Uh, and and say, unless people stand up and, and get, um, you know, get together like Mike there uh, and, you know, try to, to do something about it, it's just going to go along uh, in, in this way. And it's only going to get worse, I think, Joe. It's only going to get worse. Well, you know, that's that's a big part of what the human solution is all about, is standing up and standing for the folks that are, uh, willing to stand up for one and for those that have fallen uh, for two. And I'm, I'm really glad. I was very active with the uh, prison outreach program for a little while. Um, but, you know, people are people wherever you go, and, and um, uh, the competition and the egos and all of that, uh, I, I just kind of backed away from, from some of that. I, I, I have relationships with a number of inmates, mostly guys that have been serving long terms or life. Um, but I've had to, you know, focus my attention more on the people that are fighting current cases. As you know, there's just only so many hours in the day, and, you know, we're all volunteers doing this. So um, I, I, somebody's got to spend time trying to bring in new people and encourage the people that are out there to fight. Otherwise, you know, all we're going to be is a prison outreach program, and I don't want that. I want us to be part of uh, the ending of prohibition, which is what we're doing, really, really hard. Yeah. Um, yes. Absolutely. And, and uh, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt there, but I just wanted to say, um, you know, uh, uh, bless your guys' hearts, really. Um, you know, it, it's just time in this country that it, it, this ludicrous laws um, uh, are overturned. I mean, you know, marijuana has been uh, legalized uh, in this country longer than it's been illegal. Uh, and what it is is there's a whole bunch of of, uh, of uh, tricksters and and um, and clever um, uh, uh, creeps that are behind this thing, keeping it uh, illegal. Uh, and one of the main ones um, is big pharma because they realize that, that marijuana is a wonderful, wonderful medicine. Uh, and they don't want people to be using a, 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 a cheap medicine like this that actually has really a good effect. So there's a lot of skullduggery and trickery afoot uh, in this country about it. 
Well, you know, it's it's been that way all along. If you think about it, you know, we have actually members of the Human Solution on the East Coast that are starting to uh, put together some educational programs. And part of what we're going to be talking about in these programs, speaking at colleges and, and at community centers and healing centers, is, you know, not only the value of this plant, but how it became illegal and why and who stands yeah. to win and who stands to lose. And if you follow the yeah. money, just like every goddamn thing, you realize that there's all kinds of skullduggery and douchebaggery going on. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's really, like like you say, that's a very, very big thing. If you follow the money, what you do is you uncover all kinds of, of skeletons in the closet here. Uh, and, you know, uh, these guys are very, very, very serious about this uh, because, you know, boy, you don't want to get anywhere near their wallets because, boy, they become all undone then. Well, they become all undone, and they start unleashing lawyers and their lobbyists, and, um, you know, they start doing the things that folks with a lot of means can do. And if yeah. you think that yeah, that's like, not, go ahead. Yeah, like putting people in prison for, for life over, you know, over things, a silly thing like that, you know? Well, you know, we've created a, a, a culture of imprisonment. We've created an industry out of imprisoning people, and unfortunately, you know, that crosses along uh, uh, social and, and racial backgrounds in a lot of ways, but it, it's it's turned into uh, an economy, and, you know... Absolutely. They, that, absolutely. Uh, that's very astute of you, um, that, because that's really what it's all about, you see. This prison industry... Um, uh, what it's done is, is it, it it's a it's a machine that um, that uh, reciprocates itself. And what it does, uh, people keep coming in, and they and then they get out, um, and then they get rested again. And what it does is, it keeps all of these little industries that are that are um, in a you know in um, accordance with this thing uh, in business. Uh, so it's it's all just a, all the infrastructure around the prisons is just uh, just to keep the small these small businesses going. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, America used to be an industrial nation. We used to produce um, a, a lot of the world's goods in factories and even making raw materials, but that's all shifted. And what do you do with all those people if you don't have jobs for them? And Precisely. it turns out you throw them in prison, and then you build prisons, and you take care of the prisons with the rest of them. And there's yep. entire cities and towns that revolve all around a prison, all across America, there's prison towns. And I'm not talking just the, just the private prisons, but the state prisons, the federal prisons. If, you, if you've ever been inside of, of lockup, you'll realize that it's more than just a building. It's an entire city. And everything yeah. that's required to run a city happens in that prison. You have a laundry, you have food services, you have sewers, and you have electricity generation and you have everything that you need to run a city oh. well guess what? yeah you, you don't yeah you got your you got your medical services you know you got the police force inside the inside the police force yeah like you say it's all just a city within a city now it's it's very very true and uh you know the the thing is is unfortunately as time goes by i don't know what the number is if it's one in ten or one in twelve but Every generation that goes by, more and more people have become imprisoned and they've been felonized. 
And once you become a felon, it changes your dynamic and your value and your ability to interact in society. And it, it, it oppresses you and depresses you, and it allows for the people that have the power and the means to operate freely in spite of your existence. And I think people just don't realize that every year, every generation, there's more felons and less people that are not felons. And, yeah. you know, we got to stop this. we got to end this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what it does, it makes a subclass of pariahs, um, people that, you know, aren't quite up to stuff. Uh, and, um, you know, and then also, too, you know, you've got the – You've got the, the 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 people trying to take everything you have, you know, uh, and they forfeit, uh, you know, they they uh, they got our rental houses and and everything my wife and I had worked uh, uh, for, um, and they say, well, if you can prove that not one dollar of that came from from growing marijuana, well then, um, you know, then uh, you will give it back. Well, you can't do that, of course, you know. I know exactly. Well, let me ask yeah. you this, and this is. Sort of a personal question, but, you know, this okay. is a very personal thing. Um, yeah. You know, you talk about your wife. Um, I've noticed that most of the cases where there's people in locked up for more than five or seven years, that families get split up. Um, and I don't know the answer to this question, but how did your marriage survive? Well, you know, uh, my my wife is a wonderful, wonderful lady. Uh, and, um you know, I, I figured it this way, Joe. I, I said, look, I'm going to be in prison for uh, probably eight or nine years on a 10-year bit. Um, and I wanted her to be free, you know. You can't take a person's freedom away, and you can't take a person's personality away. Uh, humans are going to be humans. Uh, and we want to have touch. We want to have um, uh, interaction uh, in a lot of different ways with, with uh, um, uh, you know, uh, people that we are interested in, and so I let her go. I said, "Look, sweetheart, you know we'll always be friends, and if I get out and you're still unattached, maybe we'll get back together. But for now, I'm uh, going to let you go. You know, it well, was very hard to do. It was very, very hard to do, Joe. Very hard to do. Wow, that 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 is uh, that is heavy, but it is indeed a testament to your nature. I honestly can say I wish I had known you a while ago. You and I will likely become friends, and um, it seems that, uh, you know, you're made of some exceptional stuff, so I would certainly like to uh, uh, include you in our future endeavors. Well, I, I don't know if you have been made aware of this or not, but as you have been in custody for a plant, you are qualified to be a member of the human solution the hard way without having to do anything um, other than just say yes. So if you choose yeah. to accept it, I'm here to offer you that membership. Well, I, I do say yes, and I tell you, um, I, I think that all of you folks that are out there fighting, um, you know, fighting for the POWs and fighting for a little bit of sense in this country, I mean, I've been there from the very start. You know, I was a, friend, I was a member of Earth First and, and the Earth Liberation Front and, um, you know, and a lot of these uh, groups, and um, I'm totally with you folks, and uh, I, I think that it's a wonderful thing you're doing. Well, I, I am very much looking forward to uh, having further conversation with you. Um, if you stay on the line after we get off, um, Mary will give you my phone number <coughs> so that we can communicate afterward. I just want to throw this oh. out. While you were locked up, you know, 
in the brief amount of time I was locked up, I was able to see the dynamic between inmates, and it was just in county, but you stay there long enough, you learn, you know, how being locked up is. And there are things that people get locked up for that um, other inmates uh, look down upon, and there's things that people get locked up for that other inmates um, maybe smile and, and, and wink a bit. Um, how was your experience with the other inmates regarding your reasons for being there? Oh, well, the, the thing is, is that uh, all the inmates there, you know, were, were like, oh, man, you got you got shafted and, and all right. this. And, and uh, you know, they were, they were like totally, oh, man, you know, you shouldn't be in here. And, yeah, I said, I know. And, and they said, well, did they let you out, you know, when, when it became legal in Oregon? And I said, no, federal law trumps state law. You know, it doesn't make any difference whether it's uh, legal in the state. It's all it's all uh, run by the feds anyway. Uh, so, but no, they were very, they were very, very sympathetic to me because they know, you know, what kind of foolishness uh, they did to me and shooting me and all of that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they were very, very, um, uh, um, you know, they wanted to be constructive and, and helpful, you know, not criticize me at all, you know. Good, good. Well, now, what's your plans once you get out? I mean, I know, you know, you've had a, a lot of time to, to, you know, in your mind see this, this event coming. Do you have some uh, some plans for once you're through with the halfway house? Uh, well, I do, Joe. I'm going to um, I'm going to, to try to, to be an activist. Uh, if you can continue my activist um, uh, status um, with you folks, hopefully, because, I, like I say, I truly believe in it. Um, you know, and uh, as another right thing. Place, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, and another thing, too, is um, I'm an environmental activist, too. Uh, you know, we have a terrible um, situation going on with our environment, um, and whether people want to admit it or not, uh, global, cli global climate change is going to make a lot of things very, very uncomfortable for people. Uh, but um, I, am, I am really, really right there with you, Joe, on this, on this thing about about hemp and cannabis because um, it should have been legalized years and years ago. Actually, it should have never been made illegal, really. There you go. Now we're cooking. It should have never been made a crime to begin with. And absolutely, in any other absolutely. world that had any common sense to it, you could never justify a plant being a crime. So, well, um, yeah. here's I, I am tickled to have you be part of the show. I want to encourage you and welcome you to join the show any, any and every week if you like to call in just to say, hey, um, you know, that's, this, this is a show that is of us, by us, and for us, and um, the less talking I have to do, the better the show ends up being. So that means there's more people participating. Very good, Joe. Very good, Joe. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for being for, for you know for being a, a, a voice of, of sanity in the world. Um, and um, I will certainly wait um, there with Mary to get your number because I think that well, we're kindred spirits and we have a lot of the same ideas about things. So uh, thank you for letting me be on the show and thank uh, Becca there for for lining us up and and I certainly appreciate it. And um, I want you to have a, a nice evening now. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Piers, and I look forward to. Speaking with you off the air and uh, a future of activism together. Let's change the world. Absolutely, man. Uh, you're here. Very good. Will you take care then? All right. Once again, folks, Pierce Baker from a halfway house in Oregon uh, where he just got finished serving a term for pot.
you know, think about that. Just think about that. How is it that we have allowed a plant to be a crime? It just makes no sense. All right. Well, we've got less than an hour of the show to go, and I've got a whole bunch of folks waiting in line to speak. So before I bring them on, I'm going to introduce them first. We've got Adam um, from California. He's got something to say. We've got Glenn Keeling from Ohio with some news, and I can't wait to hear this out of his mouth because I know what some of it is. Uh, let's see. We've got Tom Corby with the NorCal Report. He's going to wrap the show up as he does. And we got Richard Smith from Orlando, Florida. I don't know Richard Smith, so I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Pete Yapel from New York. Um, and so we got a whole lot of folks and not a whole lot of time. So we're going to go ahead and not listen to my uh, um, pontifications and uh, blathering. We're going to just sort of blast through this a little bit. Remember, if you're on the line right now and you think that you've got something to say, just hang up and call back. Dial up 646-929-2495. Or if you're watching on Facebook Live, do the same thing. Just dial 646-929-2495. And our amazing screener, Noncompliant Mary, will ask you a few questions and put you in queue. All right, so let's see. We got Adam from California. Let's see what Adam has to say. Oh. And Adam, you're live on oh. the air. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's going um, fantastic. I've your show for the first time last week. Actually, the live stream was bogging my computer down to the point where I had to restart it. I don't know if that's oh, that. common or if I just had too many things open and I've been listening in. I can segue into what you guys kind of have been talking about, I'm a firm believer that it's our God-given right to have an activated endocannabinoid system. The system has been in our body as long as man has been on this planet, and this planet has been here to be one of the primary activators of the system. It also is responsible for homeostasis in the body. Now, I don't know how much you guys know or have covered this in the past, but there's receptors throughout the brain, the nervous system, the gut, and all the organs when these receptors are activated, it gets the body into a healing mode. Um, I could probably go on for days about this, but I'm going to kind of make it quick. I'll segue into another thing that you guys were talking about, and that's the fight to make it legal. Currently, we can't even get a vote for it in the House of Representatives because of a guy named Kevin McCarthy out of Texas. Um, I was doing some quick research on him. I had my kid babysitter not show up today, so I didn't get everything. But pretty much all his donors are either biopharmaceuticals, tobacco companies, MetLife, um, what's this other one, and another pharmaceutical and health products. Um, he has actually five or six, a, a company called Armgen, is that the one it was? Allergan? No, it's Altria, A-L-T-R-I-A, which is Philip Morris, U.S. Smokeless Tobacco, John Middleton, another tobacco company, Nat Sherman, a cigar company, Newmark, a vape company, and then Michelle Wineries. So he's pretty much, and, and it's not just big pharma, it's also alcohol, tobacco, the textile industry, oil, and plastic lobbies that are all lobbying against this plant. Um, might be interested in getting in, like I do a lot of study on the history. The Controlled Substance Act is actually a 
policy of the United Nations that was adopted by the U.S. Um, I've been trying to figure out who it is actually controlling the votes to, to actually do the descheduling. But the fact that it's a Schedule 1, that they can't do any medical research on it, so they really can't prove that it shouldn't be a Schedule 1. I believe our vet well, are, are the... Had put in place. That was, you know, he was a, a devious bastard, but he also was brilliant in that move. And by putting it in Schedule One, he he crippled our ability to learn about it um, with any kind of federal funding. So, um, you know, that that was not yeah, by accident. I, I feel that we're a world bigger than the United States, and other nations have been able to uh, do that research for us. And you can't hold down the truth forever. Yeah, I actually just found a page that has 100 links to government websites, all with positive studies about how it's over 22, I think 22 different types of cancer, which might be worth yeah, sharing. Yeah, a bit of a conundrum there, eh? <laughs> but, you know, everything they told about, everything they have told to us about this plant has been a lie. I can debunk right. each and every mess. It's good for the lungs. It's good for the brain. Good for the bones. But they've, I've noticed with older people, it's hard to break that, that indoctrination that they have. Um, even though more and more older people are starting to switch over from it, I actually have about a dozen vets that I take care of for PTSD and pain. I'm trying to get them on board, but if you're in an illegal state, it's hard to be an activist. Well, it's not hard to be an activist. It's hard to get things done. We fortunately have probably more activists in illegal states than we do in legal states. But the, the point is, is you know, uh, it, there's such a broad spectrum. You know, you have the, the hypocrisy of California legalization, and then you have the uh, draconian audacity of Kansas and Oklahoma and Nebraska and all these other places that, um, you know, it's just like uh, it was – you know, it, it, imagine the most horrible situation, and that's what you've got. Well, I would like, I've kind of been on the sidelines. I've been raising kids for the last year, being Mr. Dad, but I'm trying trying to get, I have quite a bit of knowledge that I've soaked up over the last 20 years and looking for a place to start spreading it because if people can just realize that, hey, there's a system in our body that is designed to interact with cannabinoids that also interacts with all the health, you know, all the health foods, that are really good for the body seem to interact with the cannabinoid receptors or anamine. Well, you know, um, on that note, we're, we're going to be, or we are in the process of compiling um, some, some presentations, um, and we got uh, Glenn Keeling going to talk about this, and we got Ke Pete Yaple going to be talking about this in New York and in Ohio. Um, we've actually gotten access to uh, some of the local universities and we've got access to a healing center in New York where we're going to be presenting um, courses on um, cannabis medicine, the endocannabinoid system, and the like. Obviously, that is an exhaustive um, and extensive conversation that um, many of our members are, are uh, very adept at. Um, and I would encourage you, if you want to, to participate more on those lines if you're interested in finding out more about that. Why don't you stay on the line and give Mary 
your information, and I can reach out to you um, after the show uh, and let you know when we're having a, a conference call about those specifics. All right. You know, another another fact that I had written down is that Big Pharma and the AMA shut down 10,000 holistic medical schools between 1890 and 1910, burning their yeah, books and jailing anybody who refused to stop spreading the information. They did that until the 50s, actually. They called the doctors quacks and always burning any information that they have. Well, you know, that's the... Part of the problem is, is if you study the history and you study the money and you study what influences what, you learn that, um, you know, these companies that we're talking about are also influencers um, on the medical profession, including medical schools, curriculum, um, and funding of, of, of research grants and the like. And so Yeah, they the, refuse the, to teach the endocannabinoid system in medical school. I have a couple friends who are doctors, and they know nothing about it. Yep, exactly. I, we've had Which one of I, our. I'm uh, a firm believer that it's going to be proven to be one of the most important systems in the human body. Well, we have a, a doctor um, from Northern California who's written a few papers about that, um, and he's a, a retired heart surgeon, and he he's, he's made uh, many claims that I happen to agree with. That uh, you know they're going to discover in the next you know, five, ten years, the actual value of this system and, and the capability of it is going to be some of the most uh, important medicine uh, um, developments in the last 50 years. So, anyways, Adam, we've got to get moving. I, I'm running out of time, and I have a lot of people online, but I appreciate you calling in, and I absolutely welcome you to call back. Um, and if you stick on the line and give Mary your contact information, uh, we can include you in the conversation about these um, uh, programs we're putting together. All right, that sounds great. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Adam Thank from you. California. All right, let's uh, get to Glenn Keeling. I can't wait to hear what's going on. I understand we had a victory uh, today, and uh, let's hear about it. Glenn, welcome hey, to Jeff, the show. Hey, I'm doing good, Joe. Thank you for having me on. Oh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Why don't you tell us the good news? Right on. Uh, I'd like to get in contact with that guy also. I'd like to pick his brain for a few things. But further, we, uh, Peggy's uh, phone call was today with her attorney this morning at 930, and mine was at 1 o'clock this afternoon. And both of our cases have been dismissed with uh, prejudice, um, but they have been dismissed nonetheless, uh, so we go from facing 26 to 42 years to being free without any time hanging over our heads. All right. Well, I couldn't be more pleased to hear that. You know, it's funny. When, when you're going through a, a, a project like this, when you're going through um, – Number one, being locked up, as you were. Uh, number two, um, facing awful uh, physical problems like you and Peggy both have been doing, um, and the effect of all of this on a family. People come and tell you all the time, oh, you're going to be all right. They're going to drop it, you know. And I know what that feels like. Trust me, I, I went through this crap for six years, and I had people telling me all the time, oh, they're going to drop it. Well, guess what? In my case, they never did drop it. Eventually they did after I beat them. But, you know, it's easy to say those things. It's easy to be positive. 
What's not easy is to stand tough like you guys did while this is going on and hold your ground as you guys have done. And I just am so pleased and proud to be standing by your side when this is all going down. I wish more and more people would understand this and the value not only of standing your ground, but the value of supporting those that do. And um, we've got a case I want to talk about a little bit later before the show's over about somebody who's standing their ground, and I, we need to get some people up there to support them. Um, right so anyways, that's fantastic, fantastic news. Right. Yeah, and the thing is, is we and we say this show after show after show, and it goes to prove know your law and be educated. If you are educated and you know your laws, Almost every case is beatable if you know your laws and you know self-education, you know, and that was that was the thing that, you know, both the attorneys said to us. They both told us that we are, and I hate the word, I really hate the word, but they said that we were the smartest criminals that they have ever come up against or ever had a talk with. <laughs> you know, I, and I don't like that word criminal because neither one of us are criminal We're we're both just patients. We're we're both medical patients that have education and that know the laws. You know, um, so that is that is a main man. I, I I cannot stress that enough. Is, is education, education, education. You know, and something else that helped was all the letters, um, the letters that everybody wrote. Man, I'm I'm so thankful. Very, very, I cannot say it enough how thankful I am for having everybody that had wrote letters to the judge and had them sent in, people faxed letters to us, and we mailed them in. Man, I, it, it works. It really, really works. You get a judge that reads them letters, and you get a support team. Man, we, 40, 48, you know, it would have been nice to have 480, but the 48 letters that went to the judge, man, that, it was really helpful, and I really thank everybody that wrote a letter and sent it in. Well, you know, it's it's a funny thing. I am often um, very frustrated with people. I just ran into a situation. I'm, I'll just bring this up now. Uh, we got a case up in uh, Trinity County, um, and one of the defendants is a guy who's been involved in activism for 30, 40, 40 years. And both of these guys, um, you know, got pulled over and they had some weight with them and uh, they got pushed through a, a, a choke point. Uh, the, the cops tried to run them off the road and, and uh, um, it was, it was really a, another, you know, really crappy, messy situation. And, and they've been, uh, guest on the show a couple of times already, and this weekend was uh, a celebration of life for uh, a man by the name of Dennis Perone, who was one of the pioneers in California, um, who who's been an activist for you know fifty fifty some years, and um, was one of the authors of of California's initiative that broke ground with the medical uh, uh, use uh, allowance. And this guy was up there at this celebration of life up in the Bay Area, and he was, you know, there with a bunch of people that uh, were representing the Human Solution. I saw pictures, saw a lot of our ribbons, and I was really pleased. 
But there was an individual, he, he reached out for help. He said, you know, um, I, I need some people to come to court. He had a court hearing today. And there's a guy who um, we spent a lot of time helping and uh, years, about four years of help, and we helped him in some very extensive ways. And this guy just got his case dismissed, and he was one of the only people that responded to him. And he said, I can't help you. And I, I oh. was kind of heartbroken over that. I was heartbroken. I was ashamed. I was dismayed. I was I was deflated. Um, and then at the other side of it, I I I watch. You know, I got a phone call today from a new member um, from Kansas, and and he called just to say, hey, I want to help out. Uh, I watch your your story, and I watched all the letters that happened. I listened to. I listened to, um, I listened to uh, Pierce and and his story and his willingness to help. So it, it's a it's a difficult, you know, road I walk on, trying not to be bitter and and angry about those people that don't. And focus on those people that do. And um, I, I try to I try to keep my mind on the positive. I try to keep focus on the positive. I also try not to waste anybody's time. And so um, you know, if anybody is is up there anywhere near Trinity County, and you're able to participate, um, show up to court. Nobody showed up today um, at their hearing, and they showed up late. And both of those things to me were disappointing at best. And uh, People reach out to me all the time. They call me personally and say, what can you do to help me? And I think to myself, my value isn't me at all. My value is all the members of the human solution. My value is the little communities that have popped up wherever there's been a need. My value is the knowledge that we've gained that teaches us how to rally together. And when it comes to going to court, you know, a lot of times people travel great distances and they get weary. You go to court hearings, and a lot of times you drive for an hour or two hours, and you get there, and, you know, the other side, attorneys don't show up, and they just have a continuance, and you turn around and drive back home. But the thing is, is when you get together for court, you know, take a time and, and, and have a conversation. Uh, defendants, take time and get to know those people that are there with you. Let them know your story. Participate. Engage. You know, uh, almost 10 years ago, my first case began, and I spent six years after that, you know, beating the beating the drum, speaking on every soapbox I could find. And, and here, four years later, after my case is over, I'm still trying to help. But my ability to do what I used to do has changed because I'm not fighting for my freedom today the way I was. And my right. necessity of being on every soapbox isn't the same. We need those people that are fighting today to stand up and fight, and and it's just so important that people take it seriously. Uh, you know, Pierce just spent years in prison, um, and 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 you talk about a waste, in my opinion, a waste of time, a waste of of, of so many things, and 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 for no good reason. And I just can't help but think that you know we can stop this if enough of us stand right. together every time that there's one of these cases. We can keep it from happening. Go ahead, Glenn. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just needed to say that. No, no, you're absolutely, absolutely right. We all, you know, and I, I've said this before, you know, there's so many people that, you know, say, oh, I wish I could do something. I wish there was something more I could do. As they're sitting on their couch smoking on that pipe or hitting that bong or 
taking a dab or eating that brownie. You know, if you would get off that damn couch and walk out your door, guarantee there is somebody within an arm's reach that needs your support. Whether it's a cannabis case or not, we're Human Solution International. Yes, our main focus at the time is because it is more a really important thing is this cannabis. Nobody should ever go to jail for a plant. Yes, that is absolutely true. Everybody needs help. Everybody needs to stand together. It's, it's time to, you know, take your hit and go out there and help somebody. Or go out there and help somebody and then go home and take your hit. Whatever you've got to do. Band together. Every, it, it, you're, you're absolutely right, Joe. It, the more people you have there in the courtroom on your side, the more that they see that you have a support system, the less they can fuck with you the less that they can push their dumbass rules. Because let's face it, these these rules that they've got against cannabis are asinine stupid. Nobody, nobody should ever go to jail for a plant. Nobody should be faced with it. We all need to stand together, band together, write them letters, make them phone calls, show up in court. That is the most important thing that anybody can do to lend support is to show up. It's so true. It's so true. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And you're right. All we need to do is is keep showing up, and we'll end this, folks. We'll end this. Right. All right, Glenn. Well, we've got still a lot of show to go, and I'm I'm very grateful to be able to share this moment with you. And um, if you go um, and hold on, um, Noncompliant Mary will connect you um, with Adam, and you guys will be able to uh, – share information a little bit, and that way you guys can uh, participate together in putting that program together. Right on. And for anybody else that wants to get a hold of me, you can find me on Facebook, very easy, Glenn Keeling, or you can go to uh, Human Solution International Ohio chapter, send me a message on there, and I will get back to you as quickly as I possibly can, or you dial my phone number, 419-863-0498. We are there to help anytime, anywhere we possibly can. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Glenn, and thank you for standing your ground and carrying the, the torch as we're moving forward. I have another defendant from Ohio um, online right now, Darren Elliott. So I'm going to bring him up next, and if it turns out right that on. it's important, stay on the line, and I will uh, bring you up live with him um, if I the case is friend. I'm friends with them, and I encourage them to call into the show tonight with their story. All right. Well, they're they're up next, so uh, we're going to go ahead and bring that. And I know that I spoke about other people online, but uh, when we have a defendant, uh, this show is first and foremost a resource um, that all defendants get a chance to tell their story, and hopefully we can rally around uh, their case and bring the support that will bring their victory. So. Darren, welcome Hello. to the show. How are you doing today? How you doing? How you doing? Is Glenn still there? Uh, Glenn is still here. Hang on a second. Let me bring him back up live for a second. Oh no, he's uh, he's talking to the screener right now. So okay. yeah, uh, he's he's the one that recommended me. You called, recommended me. You got to call you guys. Um, we I'm a medical Ohio card holder right now. Um, and uh, being three of my uh, friends, we're from Cincinnati, so it's a we have to go to Toledo to get uh, certified, ninety day a uh, ninety day certification. When we get certified, I've read the Ohio House Bill five three. I'm on probation. My probation officer allows me to smoke as long as my card stays up to date. 
okay? And we 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 go up every three months because it's an eight-hour round-trip drive. We get well, we do everything we're supposed to. We go up there. One, we got four card holders, four with recommendations or affirmative defense actions, everything, all our paper, all our credentials, everything legal. Under the weight, Ohio State Patrol pulled us over on I-475 and, and, and arrested us they, with 73.3 grams of vape oil, or they say hashish oil, which are vape cartridges, which in Ohio, that's what you're allowed to have is, is extracts, vape, and you got to vape it. Uh, and extracts and edibles. So that's what we got. We had 60 edibles. We had um, we had 70 grams of shatter and 73, 70.3 grams of hashish oil between four medical card holders. We sent him to Lucas County Jail for four days with without being charged. We didn't bring us to arraignment for four days. We wasn't even charged. And then when we go to arraignment, they ended up Charging us. We originally are charging officer charges with three, six felony threes, three felony three aggravated possessions, and three felony three possessions. Which, and when we was pulled over, Ohio State Patrol told us that medical marijuana is illegal in the state of Ohio. That all our credentials were phony, which is not the truth. As we, I've, I've done, I did so much research in this to make sure that I did everything right and by the legal way. Because I want to live a better life. I mean, Ohio needs to wake up. They do because they're they're they're, they're dragging their feet with this law, and you've got people becoming victims and locked up and thrown in jail for a law that was passed in September eight, two thousand sixteen. And well, me and three I, other car, me and me and three other card holders. I don't know. I didn't know how to get my story out there, and I reached out, and Glenn reached back out to me and told me to call you guys. I mean, between four card holders. The doctor said that we're because I called up to, to Toledo Chronic Relief Center to make sure that that we didn't do nothing wrong. Every, they said you, everything was okay. They wouldn't allow taking your affirmative defense actions. They would allow taking your recommendations. They put it on our property and act like it wasn't nothing. That we just and we were ran on the news from Toledo, Ohio, all the way to Cincinnati, all Ohio, all the way to Lake Charles, Louisiana, as drug dealers. Never mentioned that we were Ohio medical patients just that was never even mentioned at all well, so i call up news stations and, and the news are begging me for an exclusive right now i'm sorry to cut you off what were you saying no i said there's nothing sensational about a patient it's only sensational if you're a drug dealer so the the news like exactly to, they're there to sell the news not to report not to report facts and it's a it's a it's an eight hour round trip to do that. I mean, if if we wanted to, to break, well, we would just we get to buy that right in Cincinnati. I mean, we did it to to make sure we did everything to the letter of the, tea of the law. We all had our recommendations. We're not criminals. We're just patients. We're we're just trying to live a better life. We live in a city where they ran out of Narcan because they had so many overdoses in a week. Where they're where they're trying to pass a law in Cincinnati where they can only hit you with Narcan once. So what is it's ridiculous. The, uh... What is your next court hearing? They, we, they. This is once. This is what was all insane. I didn't understand about it. We didn't go to arraignment for the fourth. Then they didn't bring us back for arraignment to the twelfth. And thir- Channel Thirteen ABC News was in there. My lawyer told me not to speak to him, and he didn't speak to him. And they had the news cameras on. And then all of a sudden, I talked to my bondsman today, and they said they ran a story about in Toledo about uh 
how how the, how judges and attorneys and lawyers are ignorant to the Ohio medical marijuana law and how people are being victimized right now because the law has been in effect for so long and that and 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 that they need to get familiar with the laws that us patients are more familiar with the law than the law enforcement is. And that's pretty sad that we're being pulled over and victimized. And it's not, I don't have a one hour trip. It's an eight hour round trip. I'm all the way in the bottom of the state driving to all the way in the opposite corner of the state to make sure that I do everything by the letter of the law, keep everything updated. My, my probation officer knows that I, that I, that I'm going to, I go up there. I mean, I live my life right. I, I, I stay away from everybody. I mean, as is our cities, I've, I've had to bury 10 people in the last year from overdoses. People that I've I, I known from a previous life that, that just, I just had to get away from because of the way they was living. And I, I try to live the right way, and we take a trip to because uh, people got serious pain uh, issues. I mean, back surgeries where they want to do more back surgeries and the, the, the medicating with marijuana is, is helping them. Being my one of my a couple of my friends that have serious pain issues that they want to put them on oxycodone, but the marijuana helps them with the pain, so they'd rather not be on the oxycodone because that's just like a gateway drug to to heroin. They say and 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 the, and the pills that they're out selling around are not even real. You just I just seen a big drug in Cincinnati where they had a, a bunch of of heroin fentanyl pills that were disguised as oxycodone, as Percocets. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, people trying to live a better life and, 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 and medicate with a plant, and I'm facing, we're all four facing 33 years in prison. We're, we're, it's, we're all charged with the same charges, and, and three aggravated trafficking just says over 200-plus grams of hashish oil, but it's, they, they charged us wrong. They we didn't go to then finally they OR'd they OR'd the other three patients because I got I got they my sister came and got me out because I have a serious heart condition they were scared because I had to go home I've been sick sick like and they wanted me to, they had to get me out of there they were scared I was gonna fall out and have a stroke or something in there so they got me out on bond and the other three the other three patients got OR'd uh, four days later because I'm at court they cleared a courtroom out and at preliminary in Sylvania Ohio. Did they decide whether it gets bound over to the grand jury or not? Well, they waived the preliminary because the Ohio State Patrol wasn't there, none of the evidence, no nothing. Just so they could let them out on OR because they didn't know what to do. The officers, the, the media and Channel 12 News is trying to get me to do an exclusive with, them with all four of us because we were never meant. They ran a story about that we was just a drug, like we were drug dealers, and they was trying to retract the story and do an exclusive how we're medical marijuana cardholders and 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 he, they're trying to straighten out the story, but my attorney's telling me not to speak to the media. Well, Glenn said well, I should. I, Glenn said I should. I, and I don't want to get my story out there. I would not necessarily agree with that attorney, but I'm not here to convince you or anything. I, I know that um, the problem is anything you use can and will be used against you, and that's just what he's afraid exactly. of. That you'll say something that the court will be able to uh, take three words out of a whole paragraph and say this is what he said. Well, the good news is is it certainly sounds like they screwed up. Um, I'm going to encourage you to, to follow Glenn's advice. Um, we're here to help. Hopefully you guys will decide to get engaged with the human solution 
And if need oh, be, I'm going uh, to. Beautiful. All right. Well, listen, I've got uh, only a few more minutes left to the show, and um, I encourage you to call in again if there's any updates, if there's anything you need, if you need letters written, or if you have a court hearing coming up and we need to get people in the courtroom. Um, this is how to do it, and Glenn will help you out as well. Uh, I, I appreciate it so much. Thank, you thank you so All much right. for your time and letting me be heard. And I, I'll be, I'll, I'll call again next week if, uh, um, a little earlier. Beautiful. All right. Well, just uh, know that this is your show, and that's what it's all about is getting the word out and standing your ground. And, I, I, frankly, I would contact the news and tell them you can't talk to them right now, but you absolutely want to talk to them, and you will, and keep them interested. Yeah, I, I, oh, I have the uh, – I don't know if you're familiar with Ohio at all, but down in Cincinnati they got a, a troubleshooter guy that helps help the people. He's like he goes out and helps the people that can't talk for themselves. And and and, oh, good. and 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 he's been he's been calling on me and checking on me every day. He's like, I'm not trying to rush you. I know you're in a stressful situation. He said, I wouldn't be calling you every day if I thought you was a criminal. And he's like one of the main reporters of a, 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 a major media outlet down here. And he's like, I'm well, just calling to check on you. Sensitive issue, and you know, um, your attorney's very concerned, and but that you absolutely will give him the story when the time is yeah, right. Yeah, because I have and, nothing to hide. Yeah, because I have oh. nothing to hide. I I want to be heard. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's I think right. it's I think it's ridiculous that they don't know the law in Ohio yet. Well, but I, yeah, I, I appreciate I it. I'll call I'll I'll call back next. What'd you say? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I just said I know that um, you know it's 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 scary when you're dealing with the unknown. I I was not one to listen to my attorney very much, and I was all over the news when my case was going on. But at the end of the day, when you're dealing with crooked cops and crooked uh, uh, justice system, they will do anything they can. And if you slip up and say something that they can parse away, they will use it against you. So um, use your best judgment, and I uh, look forward to hearing from you next week. All right. Thanks a lot. You betcha. All right. Darren from Ohio, another ridiculous case that uh, <clears throat> we're going to stand up and uh, stand behind and hopefully – you know, when enough of these cases go down like this where the law enforcement is seriously pushing their bounds, um, at one point the people standing up and fighting will make a difference, and it will make the change, much more so than the actual law does all by itself. And you'll find that out as you get involved. All right, let's see who we got up next. We got uh, 13 minutes to go, and we're actually – Cruising in good time. We got Pete Yapel up next and then Tom Corby to close her down. So Pete Yapel is a chapter coordinator out of New York and uh, he's putting together a program, um, an educational program up in a healing center in Sugarloaf. And I have a feeling we're going to hear a little bit about it. Pete, welcome to the show. Good evening, Joe. How you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Above ground, breathing, and currently out of custody. Absolutely, and I'm I'm in the same boat, so I guess we're both paddling along today. Anyway, yeah, well, man, we're real excited. I listen. I've I've been all day long thinking today is Thursday. Thinking... <laughs> I'm super excited until everybody reminds me that it's only Wednesday. <laughs> and I'm like, well, well Dan, let's yeah. see you go on the road because honestly, man, uh, uh, this is definitely something that you know. Helen and I have been striving for anyway for a long time, and uh, we're hoping uh, 
know, we've got a, we've got a great response to it so far. So um, it's uh, uh, the, the cloud should be good. So at least we won't be speaking to ourselves uh, either. Um, the last uh, L has been blessed with more people uh, that have been can you move to a little better spot? Your signal's really spotty. How's that, Joe? Much better. Much better. Uh, okay, great, great, great. Um, yeah, what I was saying is we've had four people jump on board, thank God, in the last, like, say, week. And uh, it's been, you know, believe me, believe me, believe me, helping us out tremendous, just doing little things. And, I mean, that's one thing I can uh, I can stress out there to everybody listening. If you want to help, there are plenty of us out there that are, that are going balls to the wall that, you know, can use. We don't care if it's a half hour a week, you know. I mean, there's so much you could do in a half hour for us and for Joe and, I mean, and the Human Solutions and for Glenn out in Ohio, uh, for which, first of all, I want to say awesome. I got the news early today, too. I, I was so happy to hear about him and Peggy. Uh, Darren, we're there to help you, man. This is what we do. And uh, uh, with, with, with the, the classes, Joe, yeah, they're Friday night. They start at 5 o'clock in the evening. Um, it's going to be a course overview. Everything like you said, we're leading a lead. We are going to lead people from the history of cannabis through the endocannabinoid system, CBDs, and what, how they help you, how they're beneficial to you, how they're a part of your body. Um, yeah, the endocannabinoid system, I did, I did say. They're, they're, and we're going to run this right on through to what you can do to, you know, to change the laws in your area, what you should be doing. You know, uh, obviously including no one should be in jail for a plant, period. Uh, it, it, it's silly. People um, that don't have – that don't treat with cannabis and can't understand the benefit, please stop making this your last choice. I mean – Helen and I put our signs on our car, you know, uh, and I hope everybody's got a chance to see them that's been on Facebook. Um, yeah, it has a big, like a, uh, the sign of like a heartbeat going by in the shape of a pot leaf on there. And yeah, people turn heads, but Christ almighty, why are we still hiding in a closet? You know, we have to be forward. We have to speak. We have to be proactive. We have to, be, uh, you know, be relevant and present. You know, I mean, shit, there, there's no need to hide any longer. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's important that we begin to mobilize, that we take a, a serious look at what are we doing with our lives, with our time, with our, uh, with our minds. You know, so many people have no problem enjoying this plant and even risking their freedoms over this plant. But so few people are willing to step outside of their comfort zone and educate people and stand up for this plant and support those people that are falling over this plant. And, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg. It's a symptomatic problem. We're a civil rights group. This is about civil rights. It's not even about the plant, for God's sake. It's about Uh, what's right what's not. It's about um, liberty and oppression. It's about... You know, we could go on and on and on. I, 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 I right. It's about the sub- fact that I'm a 53 year old man, and no one's going to tell me what I can and what I can't put in my body. Period. 
I'm not going to have a doctor write a prescription and tell me I have to take it when I can grow the same damn fucking solution in a better, healthier, more organic form that's never going to cause me any side effects but maybe some dry mouth, tiredness if I'm smoking an indica or ingesting an indica. and Or, oh boy, that, that's such a tough road to battle. You know, it, it's better than suicide, death, heart stopping, you know, killing your mother, anything else that they list as side effects on these ridiculous TV commercials that they put on and, and say that it's okay. And when are we going to start making the change? When are we going to understand that we have an opiate crisis? When are we going to understand that, yes, we've had rehabilitation centers before we had an opiate problem? They are working. They are helping. Programs need to be changed. Ideas need to be changed. And, yes, cannabis is a big part of implementing and being a solution rather than, you know, Narcan, you know, that, you know, we're giving, we're giving junkies free rides to, to, to chase the dragon, knowing that they're going to be brought back. And, it, it, and it's ridiculous. It doesn't solve the problem. It only extends it. So I just want to let everybody know you can get in touch with Helen and I. Uh, we are Can We Talk 420, just like as organic as H2O. And uh, you guys can contact us at 845-522-3162 or 352-299-4173. Or reach out to us at Solidarity Over Separation the Human Solutions New York Chapter or, again, at Can We Talk 420 Radio. Um, we're all over Facebook, guys. We're, we're here to help. Um, you know, we're making a lot of noise in our area. We have to be forefrontal. We have to be in the public eye. We don't have to feel – if we're sneaking around still and having talk behind closed doors, they're going to think there's something wrong with it. Boisterous outright and forefront, forefront with it and fight for what we know is right, we're going to win. Everybody says, aren't you afraid of those signs on your car? You'll get pulled over. I go, let them pull me over. What are they going to pull me over for? I'm going to pot leave on the side of my car. It ain't made out of pot. What the hell are they going to do? I'm not an ignorant human being. I'm not walking around with stores of weed in my car and everything else. I mean, please. I'm an educator, not a fucking bag slinger. You know, and and that's the perception people have to get out of their head. I couldn't agree more, Pete. Well, I appreciate all the work you and Helen are doing, and I'm very much looking forward to this uh, educational program moving forward, both in Ohio and New York. And um, all over, you know, it's going to be a, web, a, a resource on the website. Um, and I'm going to encourage everybody to participate, become a member of the Human Solution. Go to the website at thisintl.org and sign up, participate. We can help. All right, thanks, Pete. Absolutely. We're running well on time. Hey, that, what, yeah, one more quick thing I want to tell you, Joe, is that me and Glenn had an earlier conversation, and they're looking about maybe moving their adult education program at the college maybe ahead a few weeks so that Helen and I can come out and help them and guest speak or do oh, whatever it is they need. So. Oh, that's fantastic. I can't wait to hear about that. And, uh, you know, that's how we do it, folks. That's how we do it. We do it by doing it. All right, once again, Pete Yapel and his lovely wife, Helen, and they're carrying the flag up there in New York. All right, to wrap the show up, we got the amazing Tom Corby and the NorCal Report. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Joe. Like Mary, all those on the front lines at a coffee party radio show. And believe me, these are all historical shows. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to say happy birthday to Mike Harris. Thank all those that came for my 
my uh, 75th birthday party last Saturday. I wish you could have been here, Joe. Uh, I knew you would be if you were closer. Uh, oh, you bet. So and I want to say congratulations to uh, Glenn Keeling and Peggy Sue Kimmel. And guess what? Thanks to timing. I just finished their letter, and I want to read it anyway because uh, these letters these letters are so important. And Joe and I both agree now to keep it to, to some kind of brevity. Uh, and I'd like to just cut to the chase and just keep it down on one page. And basically all these letters I wrote, a lot of times I just sat down without even – and I just write uh, – to the judge, please consider our plea to find compassion in Glenn Keeling and Peggy Sue Williams' case, finding for a dismissal. Our understanding is that there is no or very little, if any, direct evidence, only circumstantial. Glenn and Peggy Sue are not a threat to society, but rather assets, and we will vouch for that. Also, you can add there how these defendants did their best to stay within the laws and the guidelines. Uh, that being said, Your Honor, consider a request for dismissing uh, Glenn and Peggy Sue. And if there's no victim, there's no crime. And, of course, I always sign out Tom and Donna Corey with the Human Solution International Coordinators. Uh, congrats to Daphne or for James Benno. And his two sons, and believe me, Joe, they they definitely do appreciate the Human Solution International and all we've done for them. And they have not forgotten our fundraisers. They have not forgotten how you kept them out of jail, covering their monthly bail money. So definitely appreciate you. It was awesome being there yesterday. Frank Canan was there with me uh, to celebrate this historical win. Uh, a win like this and Nick Moran case, huge case like that with trial, even Frank and Ann's Alex Lyons up here in Northern California are setting precedents all over the world. Uh, we have Dana Beal. Uh, he had a uh, uh, hearing. Uh, we always come with a 995 Dismissed probable cause motions, which they did today. Uh, I talked to him last night, told him we only need uh, local court support. Uh, that's up in uh, Trinity County, which is probably three hours from here. They had a hearing today. We're waiting for the outcome. I'm almost sure I told them two to one odds. It'll be just another continuation. Like I said, Joe, they just got, got the discovery. Off. It got put off. Yeah. That's what happened. That's right. So they just got the discovery, and that's such a huge word. So at this point, uh, not only the DA, but the defense need at least a month or two to, to, to review all the discovery. And without discovery, how would you know uh, what's against you? How can you fight your case? Uh, I want to thank all today, uh, and Nick Moran and Frank and Ann are here helping me. How's it going, Joe? Hey, hey! Yeah, and uh, all those on the front lines uh, coming together finally in prohibition for all our POWs. 
uh, no one should be going to jail for our plant. And like Donna always says, don't forget to breathe. Thank you all today. <laughs> well, Tom, you uh, closed it out in perfect timing, and uh, that's all we got for today. But we will see you all next Wednesday, and uh, thanks for being here. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my